You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we're going to talk about what happens after a loss. And I'm going to share with you five key strategies that as a coach, you should be doing to and implementing in your programming after a loss. And if you do implement these five strategies, it should help not only bounce back from that loss, but learn from it maximize from that loss to be better and therefore get your team in the right mindset for the next game. So this is an episode you don't want to miss. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after a number of years coaching competitive volleyball and as the head coach of the biggest college in Canada, I've become obsessed with helping coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to coach efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is the Volleyball by Design podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 98 of the Volleyball by Design podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? Hope you guys are doing well. Man, my name is Coach Brian Singh, and I'm the host of the podcast. So if you, if you are a new listener, welcome to the pod. You got about 97 episodes to get caught up on. Uh, super excited. Uh, over the, the last three episodes that we've done, actually, um, we had uh, U.S. national team pro athlete Dustin Watton on the pod. He's a libero. We also had U.S. and pro middle blocker Taylor Avril on the pod a week before that. And then three weeks ago, we had national championship coach Brock Daviduk uh, of the University of Alberta. And there were there were three fantastic interviews. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to those, definitely take a listen because there's uh, some great value that you can take away from those episodes. And uh, my regular listeners, as always, you know I appreciate you guys. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Um, you know it's it's really cool. I was looking at my stats uh, over the last. I was looking at my stats a couple days ago, and the podcast has been growing, which is which is amazing. And I'm so grateful and thankful to all of you who continue to listen and share the podcast with your other colleagues and coaches around the world, and just you know to grow this show. Um, you know, two years ago when I came out with this show, I never thought that it would be where it is now. I, would, I never thought I'd be 98 episodes in, so that's kind of cool. And um, and it's growing and it's continuing to grow. Um, so that tells me that. It, at least I'm interpreting as you guys are taking value out of it and you're coming back for more and you want to grow as coaches and you want to learn the game and and uh, you know it's it, it really means a lot to me and I think one of uh, one of the reviews I had a couple weeks ago uh, I can't remember the name but when they said that um, this this podcast is like a coach's clinic every time they come on I was really taken by that I'm like you know what that's that's so cool because that if I could if if you really wholeheartedly thought that this is a coach's clinic every time you you listen then I'm, I'm doing something good because that's that's great that you can get this. I think it was Josh Griffith. That's right. I think it was Josh Griffith that said that. So I hope that um, I can continue giving value to you guys. And oh, and on that note, we do have another review that this review is from Podcast One Thanks from Australia. And they said, thanks, five stars. I've really made progress after listening to this great podcast uh, and listen, listening uh, while I while working, listening Wait, listening to this great while uh, while working. Sorry, a little tongue twister there. Um, so thank you, Podcast One. I uh, appreciate that. And if you haven't left me a review or, or, or a rating wherever you listen to your podcast, I think we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and I think that there's others out there, but those are the three main ones. Uh, do me a favor, leave a review. 
um, a rating. You know, let me know how you feel about it. I love reading these reviews, and I I really appreciate any of the any words you want you want to share with me. So thanks for that. All right. So today's episode, uh, we are going to talk about a what, what's going on after a loss. You know, as coaches, we deal with losses all the time, and there's a lot of learning that can come from these losses. And what we do with these losses is really important. And I'm, I'm going to share with you some strategies that I, I'm going to, I hate to say guarantee, but I'm almost guaranteeing that you've never heard some of these strategies before. And they're really important. And I hope you start implementing these because if you do, I, I feel that you're going to have much better relationship with your players. You're going to have, you're going to create a much more positive culture. It's all I was talking about, how to, how to create that, how to create that best positive culture in our, uh, in our program. So you're going to be able to do all that. So we're going to talk about five key strategies and I do want to also mention episode 41. Um, I, I mean, that was a couple of years ago, episode 41, mark that down and listen to that as well, because that kind of ties in with today's podcast. Um, episode 41 was, I got asked a question on what do you say to your players after a loss? And in that episode, I talk about uh, different strategies that I'm talking about today, but I talked about how you got to think about a loss and what to say to your players post game and, you know, certain things. So I'll quickly summarize some things that were mentioned in there. Um, just to, just to preface what we'll talk about today, but in that, in that, uh, episode which you're going to listen to I talk about having a game plan before your game and having key things that you want to hit so no matter what happens after a game whether you lose by a, a lot you can always have something positive to say to your players you know like sometimes after a loss when you go in the locker room you're you're, you're just thinking about wow we just lost this is what we did wrong this is what we did wrong this is what we could improve on but you don't really think about the stuff we did really good at and that's important to mention those things so you know, as long as you have goals that no matter what you do, you achieve, you're always going to have something that you can say, hey, you know what, at least we did that. And the biggest one that I mentioned that episode was competing. Now, competing is a non-negotiable. Everyone should be competing, but always to make it a note that, listen, I want us to compete for the entire match. Chances are, if you have a good culture and, you're, and you, you've been, you know, you guys are competing in practice. You'll be competing in a game. So win or lose, competing is something that is completely in your control. And, and, and that's a non-negotiable in our gym anyways. Like that, that's an expectation. So, you know, coming up with little things like that to, um, you know, to, to make sure that no matter what happens, whether you lose, you still are going to get those little wins. It's good. So you can mention that. And there, there's a bunch of other things that I mentioned in that episode. But anyways, go and listen to that episode 41 of the Volleyball by Design podcast. And it was on, I think I recorded that almost a year ago, March 22nd of last year. So go take a look at that. All right. But let's talk about what do we, what are the, what are the next steps after a loss? So we just, we just got a loss and we're on our way back to the locker room and we're trying to figure out what's going on. So let's talk about stats. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about stats first. So strategy number one is, is to look at our stats. Now, there are a lot of stats you can look at, by the way. There are a ton. I'm, I'm going to list some of them off here. Um, and if you don't know what these stats are or you've never heard of these, make a note of it and, 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 uh, and go look it up. But I'll briefly explain some of this stuff. So the first stat you can look at is your plus minus. That is the amount of points you scored versus the amount of errors you made. And you always want to be in a positive so if you notice that, you know, you have a player that's negative five, well, that means they've cost you five points in that match and they didn't like, versus what they would have gained you. So you, you don't want that. Uh, another stat is serving. So, you know, aces, how many aces are they getting? Errors, um, they're in percentage. 
You could even look at your opponent's passing average based on a serve. Like just because you're getting the ball over the net and you don't have any errors, are those serves easy? You know, and if the opponent is passing in the high twos, if you're on a three-point passing scale, then you know it's an easy serve. So it's not really doing a purpose in, in that case. Um, so your in percentage can be 100, but the opponent's passing average on your serve could be st- extremely high and they're scoring anyways. Um, so that's something to look at as well. Uh, hitting, you can look at, you know, how many hitting attempts, kills, errors, and hitting percentage. All right, those are the other ones. Passing. Big one for us. So, you know, how many balls did your players pass? What was the average? And whether you measure measuring it on a three-point scale or a four-point scale is up to you. We use a three-point scale. I know many coaches use a four-point scale as well. It, honestly, it doesn't matter. It's whatever you feel comfortable with. Um, a three-point scale for us is three is a, a pass quality. Three is a perfect ball. A setter barely had to move and had all four hitting options available to them. A pass quality two would be the setter um, had to move and didn't necessarily have all four hitting options, but maybe two. They could probably set you know the left side and the right side, but maybe not the middle. Uh, pass quality one is a ball that is really, really badly passed, um, but it's not resulting in an error, meaning we can still bump it over the net, probably a free ball coming over, some things like that, or maybe one hitter can potentially hit the ball. And then pass quality zero is a, is a shank or an overpass. All right, so things like that. Uh, another stat is blocking. So you can do, you know, blocking uh, by by a player by himself, uh, block assists, total blocks, and block touch. So those are four things. And by the way, if two people are up and both are participating in the block, um, you give them 0.5 each because they both, you know, had a, they both are responsible for that block. All right. Assists. Assists is going to be predominantly for your setter, but you can have total assists. Uh, distribution percentages, you can look at their assist percentages, you know, things like that. Digs, all right, so uh, how many digs did we accomplish in that match? Uh, what was your free ball percentage, uh, you know, in your ability to pass free balls? Uh, attempts, and then converted digs, right? How many points did we convert on after we dug the ball? That's another interesting stat. Rotation-based stats, so uh, the, the biggest one for me is your side-out percentage based on rotation, all right. Also, how many points did you get per rotation? So, for example, you know, a game goes up to 25. Well, what is, what is your highest converting rotation? How many points? Uh, what was the highest amount of points you got in a specific rotation? So something to think about there. And then the overall uh, other stat is your, just your points. You know, how many points did your players earn? And, and, you, and a point is basically, you know, what resulted in, in a point for your team. So a kill is a point. An ace is a point. A block is a point. Those are points. So how many points did your players get? So there's a lot of stats you can take, all right? Um, so just to recap real quickly, I went, I went through a lot, and, I, and I've done episodes in the past on stats, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but we have your plus minus, your serving, your hitting, your passing, blocking, assists, digs, rotation-based stats, and points. Okay, so a lot of information there. Now, my advice to you is you have to focus on a few. You can't focus on every single one of these stats because your players are going to get confused. So let's focus on the stats that matter. And that may be different for every coach. This is one of those things that are completely subjective to you. What do you feel is most important to your team? And and how can your team benefit from knowing these numbers? So I'll tell you for us, I want to see our passing above a 2.5 or, or above a 2.3. Actually, that was my expectation this year was above a 2.3. That's what I want to see. I want to see uh, rotation-based stats. That's another important stat. What were my weakest rotations? Because I can address those in practice. I want to know what my weakest rotations were. I want to know what my plus minus was as well. 
Um, and then I want to know what my hitting percentage was as well. Now serving, that's good. You're going to look at that on an individual basis, right? Not, not necessarily in terms of team, but you're going to look at that, how, like how your player is serving. And, and yes, yeah, serving is, if you're giving up, you know, 25 points on serving in a match, that might be a problem. So something you want to pay attention to, but, but again, that's just a simple one. How many serving areas did you make? Really easy. But the really, really big ones for me are rotation-based, passing, huge one, and then my hitting percentage. And then a couple other things I'll look at is your plus minus and your, and, uh, and your points. But those are uh, the thing. Now, I don't look at blocking as much. I mean, the thing with blocking is it's, it is important. I don't want to say it's not important, but, you know, it's one of those stats where if you get one block per set, you're one of the best players in the world. You know what I mean? Like, it's not one of those things where it's, it's tough to gauge it. So that's more of a film thing. You got to look at that. In terms of assists, that's just based on your setter. So that's between you and your setter to manage how well they were distributing the offense. Digs. Another one, if you get a dig, two digs per match, I think is like a top, top libero in the world. So, you know, things like that, those are the things that you got to, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But definitely the hitting percentages, the rotations, um, as well as your, your, your overall serving, those are important for me. Okay, so... I spoke a little a little too long on stats than I wanted to, but that's you know a general breakdown, and you you do whatever you feel is is right for your team. All right, the second thing uh, that I want to mention, and this is something that's interesting actually, and I want you to think about you in your in your locker room and you when you're talking to your players. I've heard this a lot for the last you know 13 years. When let's say for example your players uh, on the court, you know you can tell that there was no energy. You can tell that there was no communication. You can tell that maybe maybe their, their competitive level was dropping significantly. And there were things where you could tell that your team was not where they need to be. And all little things like that, you know, like communication, competitiveness, um, letting up, for, for example, you know, not focused. These are all types of conversations I hear coaches have with the team all the time and, and they'll say stuff like this hey you know what you guys started off the game strong but then you guys lost focus you guys weren't in it you guys were not competing you guys were not communicating you guys were doing this you guys are doing that and I want to ask you this question when you refer to your team and you say you guys or you girls are doing this ask yourself is all six or seven of your players a reflection of that because I guarantee you all six or seven are not. But we get, because volleyball is such, it's such a team sport where one person can't really take over the game. Well, at least not, not always, it's rare, but it can happen, but it's rare to have one person take over the game. And we look at it as such a team sport that, that, that narrative of you guys were doing this, all of you guys were not doing this, all of you guys are that is actually false. It's a fallacy. It's not true. And it's funny because we had uh, two assistant coaches on my team this year, and this is something that I had to teach them too, is you know that narrative of when your team is not competing or you feel like your team is letting up and let the other team get back into it, and the narrative of you guys, you guys, you guys are doing this, you're putting, you're putting the wrong message out there because it's not you guys. It's not. It is normally nine out of 10 times, it trickles and falls down to maybe two or three players, but not all of them. So I want to ask you this. Now, you may disagree, by the way. And if you do, I, 
you know, all the power to you. But this is what I've noticed in my experience is that when you go and you list all the players that participated in that game that played, you can talk about your starters and you say, you guys let up, you guys let up, you guys were not focused. Okay. Let's say say that that's a very common statement in our game. I want you to name each player in your head and ask yourself, was this player not focused and not dialed in? And then go back and go to them player number two and then player number three. And you, you're going to find that three out of the six were probably not focused. And as a result, the entire team crumbled because it only takes one or two players to let up and start committing errors or not being dialed in for the entire team to crumble when in actuality the other players are competing and did not let up and are still focused, but it doesn't look that way. It's shielded by the one or two players that actually were doing that. And that is something I want to make you be aware of because it happens all the time in our game. And the faster you're made aware of that, the faster you can rectify the situation. So when you notice that your team is letting up or your team is not focused or the competitive level is dropped, I want you to take a step back and look at the actual individual players that are leading for that to happen. Because normally two or three players are still communicating, but the others are not. Or normally two or three players are still focused, but the other ones are not. And the ones that are focused continue letting them do what they're doing. And the ones that aren't speak to them individually. When you call a timeout for the, because a timeout is 60 seconds for the first 30 seconds, have every, and if you have multiple assistant coaches, let them take one each. If you, if it's just you and another coach, you guys focus on the top two that are being problems on the court and say, listen, this is what I'm noticing. You are not focused. You are letting up. You're not, you're not communicating like little things they can show. You're not communicating. You're not calling your checks when, uh, when you're front row. I need you to start doing that. And then you'll see that if they start doing it, then the ones who are still dialed in and focused will level up and we'll be back to where we should be. But that is a big thing that I found that we have to change the narrative of. It's not you guys. It's not all of you. It is, it is just a, f- a few selective. It is rare that you're going to find all six players not focused. All six players or seven players not communicating and not dialed in. It can, it can happen. But it's not it's not very common. So think about that. All right, I spoke a lot on this point, and I apologize. But think about that. Okay, point number three, uh, and this is an important one that I guarantee you, not many of you are doing. Well, at least I hope I hope you do. Maybe some of you are doing. I apologize, but uh, this is one that I that I started doing the last couple of years. After a loss, send a voice message to your players. And not not a team voice message, an individual voice message. It doesn't take that much time at all. And because it's not texting, it's actually a lot faster. So what I'll do is, as I you know, as I as I go in my car on the way home, all right, or as I'm walking to my car, whatever, I'll I have all the players I played, and I'll send a quick thirty to sixty second message. You know, hey Nate, ah, tough loss, and it's really important after a loss. You can, and I'm not saying don't do. You can do this for wins too, by the way. But it's even more important after a loss. You know, hey, Nate, I know we had a tough game, man. I just wanted to reach out and let you know that I appreciate your effort on the court tonight. You did a lot of great things. I loved your energy. I loved your, I loved the way you were picking your shots. And, you know, I love the way that uh, you were continuing to run your lane and you were aggressive. Um, You know, obviously, we took the L. Some things you can improve on is just, you know, stay dialed in. Make sure you really work on your passing next practice to get it better so we can, you know, improve just that much better for the next game. Like, that's it. Really simple, 30 to 60 second message. And at the end you say, all right, I'll see you tomorrow at practice or have a great night, man. But you know, well done today. Boom. Next message to next player. So maybe, maybe 10 minutes, give or take some laps and times and stuff like that. And I'll tell you, it will go a long way. It will make your players feel 
way much better after a loss. The head coach is reaching out to them and sending them a voice message personally, telling them that you know they still you still have their back. Great job. I, yes, we lost. Yes, you can do things to improve, but that's okay. We appreciate your effort out there. That's it. Simple and talk about some things they did really well. That will go a long way. And send it to everyone that participated in the game. All right, make sure you do that because that is something that I think will go a long way and it's going to help strengthen your relationship, that player-coach relationship. I know a lot of coaches are always trying to find out how do we strengthen that relationship. Well, here's a strategy you can use right now to strengthen it. Um, The other thing you can do, so that's strategy number three, all right, or two and a half or three. So those voice messages after a loss and even even after a win, you can do it too. And and it's very simple. It doesn't take a lot of time at all. And the players appreciate it. They value it. And they're going to play even harder for you because they know you care. That's just e- easy way of showing that you care. Um, and it's one thing to, and I know all you coaches that are listening to this, I know you guys do care. It's one thing to care, but it's another thing to demonstrate your feelings that you do care by, by, by doing simple things like this. Okay. So sending a voice message really simple um and we use like a whatsapp whatsapp simple you do text whatever you want we have a whatsapp group i just i just click on the guy's names in the group send him a quick voice message privately and go to call it a day all right now the other thing you can do now this takes a little bit more time so if you have a coaching staff that can do that can help you with this that's great but what i do is i'm we're all we have a a thing in our gym with we're always about the one percent how and i think i've mentioned this on a podcast before too but the, what is the 1% you can do every day to get better? And I, I did, I think I had an entire podcast on this. I can't remember what episode it was, but I referenced, um, uh, I referenced, uh, what's his name? I'm drawing a blank now. But basically, there was a gentleman who said that, you know, uh, it was the it was the, the UK national um, cycling team, I think it was, uh, where they hired a new, a new coach um, and they realized that if we were to, accomplish if we were to change one percent of what we do one percent of this one percent of that one percent of that then compounded we would we would have significant growth significant growth and i do believe that like the the, these voice messages these little extra one percent things you do compounded over time you're going to see significant growth in your players and in your team so one thing that we do is we'll go back and watch film because we have to we have to watch film anyways and what we'll do is I will send each player that played in that game, I will send them one, maybe two clips of something that they could improve on. Really, really simple. We're going to have a team film session, obviously. We're going to do all that stuff too, but just individual. And again, this helps strengthen the relationship as well. I'm going to, when I watch film, the minute I see one thing that a player did that I think can improve on, I'll, I'll even just film it on my phone. I'll film my computer on my phone just so it's easier so I don't have to do anything. And then I'll send them a message saying, hey, this is what I was talking about in, in, in a game plan or in, this is what I was talking about in, in practice or in tryouts. I'm, I'm sorry, not tryouts. <laughs> in, uh, in our timeout, uh, you know, or say, or just whatever. Oh, here, look, if you look at this way, you weren't, you know, you weren't approaching on this angle of properly. You weren't doing this or you know, little things like that. Just a simple clip, five second clip. As soon as you see something, send it to them, give them your spiel and that's it. So normally, if you're going to have six to eight players that play in a match, unless you're a youth team that you play all 12 players in every match, oops, sorry about that, it's my phone, um, then you're going to have a quick, you know, 30 to 60, or sorry, like a five second clip followed by either a voice message or um, a text message to them, and that's it. And if you have assistant coaches, you guys split up the responsibilities for the players that played, and you go. So for me, I'm very, very fortunate where I have, you know, we have a, a staff of five coaches, well, 
we only if, if we're playing in a game there's only six or seven players that play in a game or eight, eight players so we could easily just take one or two each and that's it so it doesn't take very much time at all so that but it's really it's really important and it also again you're working on that one percent so they get to see what they get to see and something they can improve on now they're aware of it they go to next practice they're going to work on that to make sure they improve it you're also showing that you care showing you care about the development taking that time talk about talk about the little things the little nuances to make sure that your team knows you care about them that you're interested and you generally are interested in their growth and their development as a player so you know things like that which leads me into my next point which is film now, film is also very important. Um, now, that's obviously said. Look at your film for the match. Have a debrief with your team. And there's many ways that you can analyze film uh, based on how you played. Look at when you're looking at film. You know, look at how your players are passing. Look at you know how they're reading. Look at your block defense. Look at where. The, look at if your defense is playing around the block. Uh, correctly look at are your players guessing on the block you know look at their offense are they all running their hitting lanes you know approaching and all these different things you can look at with film so when you do it you look at when you have your team film session you break it all down you get better and you go and you practice that's it and you go and you practice and you make sure that when you're doing your practice planning you're addressing the things that were mentioned in film so that way they see it on film they then go and practice to get better and improve and then the next game you're that much better but see there's a process here you know everything there's a process to make sure we do it all efficiently and the last thing that i'll mention is practice which time which really just ties into film i guess film and practice are kind of hand in hand because based on your film that is what's going to help you design your practice plan to then go back into practice and have a great session so your team is now going to be aware of what they need to do to improve they're going to have a nice practice plan with the whiteboard like we talked about, showing them what they, what they got to do to improve, what the learning goals are for that practice. They're going to go out there, they're going to play, they're going to practice, and they're hopefully going to get that 1% better so you are in a better position to compete in your next match. Okay? So let's do a recap. Talked about a lot of things here, and I apologize. I spent, spent more time talking about certain things over others. But, you know, let's start with the first thing, episode 41. Go back and listen to episode 41 because I do talk about other things when it comes to uh, what happens after a loss, okay? Now, I talked about all the stats. There are a lot of stats that you can focus on, you know, plus, minus, serving, hitting, passing, blocking, assists, digs, rotation, points. Um, Focus on maybe two or three. Whatever you think is going to help your team win and what's important to you, that's what you focus on, okay? Me, I like to focus on passing hitting percentage, as well as rotation-based stats, which is my side-out percentage based on rotation. I want to know what my rotations I'm the weakest at. Uh, and then I also will you know, look at serving. Um, let's talk about the fact that it's not everyone's fault. <laughs> remember, remember that narrative of you guys were not competing, you guys were giving up, you guys were not communicating, you guys let up. I and again, I know you might disagree with me on this, but I wholeheartedly challenge you to ask yourself when this happens. Is it all six or seven players that are demonstrating this, or can you ask yourself, go through all players? You know, is this person doing that? Yes. Is this person doing that? Well, no, they're not. Is and then that way you can single-handedly isolate the problem and try to hopefully solve it in the game by bringing that player over and having a conversation with one of the coaches so that you can avoid it going forward. Okay. Sending a voice message to your players after the game, whether it's a win or a loss, but it means more when it's a loss. Simple 30 to 60 seconds goes a long way. Film. 
sending film to one of your players, just a simple, a simple clip. And I'm, I'm serious. I actually, I'll send like a five second clip of them just approaching and swinging and saying, look, here's something I noticed. That's it. Doesn't take long. It, the, the long part is to find that clip. But if you're if you're just responsible for one or two players, you can just watch film and just focus on them. And then the minute you see something, you send it to them. And if you have uh, software that I've mentioned in the past, if you have some software that you can use, um, like Huddle or VidSwap, what they do is that software can break down your film for you, so you can isolate just players. So if you were to look at your game, you can just search for your player and just click on your player's name and the only clips that your player was involved in will show up. So you don't even have to go and filter through all that film. But again, that's only if you have the budget for it, which I understand not many people do, but don't worry. Then I talked about, uh, yeah, so I talked about film, sending one or two clips. Then I talked about team film. So making sure we have that team film session uh, and then breaking it down there designing your practice plan according to that film and according to what we need to improve on based on last game. All right. So then when they go in there, they can actually practice. Not only are they going to practice what you looked over at film, but they're going to practice also what you sent them, that one or two clips you sent those individual players. And then your practice is going to be that much better. All right. So those are some simple strategies that you can use to help your team maximize improvement after a loss. Because the worst thing we want is after a loss, they're they're just down and everything is sluggish afterwards and there's no momentum, there's no motivation and it's, it's, not, it's not a good look. And we wanna make sure that we use these losses as learning opportunities. I mentioned this in my previous episodes. It's not, we didn't lose, we learned. That's the language in our gym. We did not lose, we learned. What did we learn from this game? And you take all those learnings and you, couple them into a great practice plan along with all the strategies I mentioned and have a great practice and improve for the next game. All right. So those are the things uh, that you could do right away. And if I haven't mentioned, by the way, um, I have a free workshop coming up. I'm sure you, you, you've heard it in, in, the, in the beginning of the episode, um, but I have a free workshop coming up on May 1st, 2nd and 3rd. Uh, it's going to be based on efficiency, how to become a more efficient coach. It's completely free, by the way. So you can head on over to volleyballworkshop.com to get registered for that. And we're, I'm basically going to walk you through, you know, in my 13 years as a competitive coach and my five years as a college coach, efficiency was one of the things that led to my growth. Like it significantly led to my growth. Actually, I learned how to make, you know, create more efficient practices, which led to faster player development and, and more success on the court. I learned how to be more efficient at game planning and seasonal planning and, and how I can mani- manipulate stats to help my players develop faster. And there, there were so many different strategies that I learned on how to be a more efficient coach. And I can't wait to share that with you on that free uh, workshop that I'll be running next week. So um, if you haven't got a chance, volleyballworkshop.com, go there, get signed up. It's completely free. Um, show up live, mark it on your calendar so you can be there and be in, involved in the training. And I, I'll tell you, uh, my members or people that have um, been on the training in the past have said, that they got, they just got so much value out of it and they were able to actually implement it right away in their gym. And you know I'm all about that. I'm all about implementation, tangible things that you can take back to your gym and apply right away. So if you get value out of these podcast episodes, you will 100% get value out of that live training. In fact, more because I'm gonna be there live. I'm gonna be showing you visuals and, and drawing things and you'll be able to ask me questions afterwards as well on whether whether you have questions on the live, tr- on the training itself or just any volleyball question in general. I'll be staying back to answer questions. So I hope that um, my uh, my listeners here on the pod can make their way over there, get registered, and let's get a chance to you know engage in a live training together, and hopefully that I can make you a better coach in that in that one session. It's going to be about a thirty to forty five minute session followed by Q and A. 
So make some time to, to show up to that. All right, that's it for me. I will see you guys next week on another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. Take care. All right, cue the music. Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training? And instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days. When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.